This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. After late disappointment last time, uh, ITFC are on their travels this Saturday looking to kickstart the second half of their season by rewriting history. This is the Blue Monday podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015. I'm Rich Woodard and this is the pre-match show brought to you in partnership with our friends at the Greyhound Pub in Ipswich. We're available every week on YouTube video and podcast audio and back once again. It's Seb Brown. How you doing, mate? You good? Hello, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm good. How are you? Very fetching jumper you're wearing. Is that, is that a turtleneck? It is a bit of a turtleneck. It's a Christmas gift. Yeah. Very nice. Like yeah. Looking First very dapper. Thanks very much. I thought I'd go and deliver some milk tray later on. Exactly that's, the joke I was about to make. That's one for the kids. Hello, kids. Uh, milk tray, type of chocolate, confectionery in a box. He was like James Bond of the confectionery world well, back in the I mean, 90s. A little bit suspect, right? He used to break into women's houses and deliver chocolates to them in the dark. It's got that's, a bit sinister now, isn't it? It is. That's what it was, though. That, that's the 80s for you, though. That kind of stuff yeah. is acceptable, isn't it? Um, you had your trip to Portman Road, safe travels and all that kind of fun stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, thank you. Yeah, got back fine. Enjoyed the uh, the Plymouth game as much as any of us, I think, could have enjoyed it. And then, yeah, got back fine to a load of snow. I've had snow all week Ooh, up here. It's been treacherous that. getting to work, but yeah, starting to wash away now. So There you guys, things tend to do. Well, we'll be talking about Oxford and, yeah, this eye-watering, it's, that's not the right word, is it? Daunting away record that we have there in the league. Um, more on that later, but let's um, bring everything up to date, shall we? Um, as we record this... Um, this isn't over the line. If you see Seb and I throughout the podcast looking at our phones, it's because we're checking ITFC Twitter to see if this gets announced. But everyone seems pretty confident. Seb, talk to me about Harry Clark signing. Yeah, all the reputable sources have started reporting it this afternoon. And it's on TWTD. Stu and Andy have reported it on the East Anglian. So it must be pretty close to being done. It's Harry Clark coming back to the club. He was lured away uh, by Arsenal when he was 14. Right, yeah. yeah, lured away at the age of 14. He looks like he's on his way back to us. He spent the first half of this season on loan at Stoke, a right-sided kind of centre-half slash slash uh, right back he's been playing in the uh, in the Stoke side and yeah an academy boy who's on his way back it seems like the rumour started early in the week I think on the message boards and on Twitter and stuff but it looks like hopefully depending on when you listen to this it should be uh, confirmed in the not too distant future and I guess if he's done by midday tomorrow he'd be eligible for the squad on Saturday wouldn't he if, you, if, if they can get it done in time it might be a bench option but maybe it comes a little bit too soon for him and yeah another one of these kind of you know right age championship experience good pedigree you know Arsenal he's under new deal at Arsenal in 2019 so they clearly kind of thought of him uh three years or so after he, they they kind of pinched him or lured him away from us so yeah another one of these that hopefully is on the journey and uh, another exciting signing I think well, what are your thoughts on it another seven figure sum is being talked mm. about as well quite statement when you consider the fee for Leif Davis earlier in the season and then Nathan Broadhead um, a week or so ago. So, yeah, not mucking around, are we? Well, Ashton came out, didn't he, and said, that, well, did he say no regrets? I don't want to leave any stones unturned with the yeah. January window. So, I guess, yeah, if, if only we'd done this in 2015, eh? how different the timelines could have been. But, but yeah. yeah who, I mean, would, I, who would the equivalents have been at that point then? Let's try, let's try and think. A million-pound striker, a million-pound right-back. trying to think back to 2014. 
No idea. You kind of think like players like Chris Martin. I know he's an ex budget. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that kind of net, that ilk, you know. But um, anyway, that's one for another podcast, isn't it? But yeah, I kind of feel like we're in no excuses territory. Puts the pressure on quite a lot, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Where do you see him fitting in? Obviously, he's a right-sided centre-half slash right-back. What, what, what do you see his role in the team? Well, he's not He's not going to move Wolfen and out of the team, is he? So either he's going to have to play out of position and left centre-back position instead of Burgess, or it looks like he's here to give competition to Janoi Dynastian. And I'd argue the seven-figure um, transfer fee might mean that he's actually first choice, which is really harsh on... Um, JD because he's had a really good season but you kind of feel like maybe that partnership with Burns hasn't been the same since maybe October time and maybe that's a factor in this one I'd expect him to go right back Seb what say you uh, yeah, I agree. I think that seems logical. Tenassian always seems to have these challenges, doesn't he? Every kind of 18 months or 12 months or so in his Ipswich Town career, he has a new challenge he has to overcome. Like you say, I agree. I think it's a little bit harsh and it may be, but we've got to look towards the future. I mean, Tenassian must be 28, 29, 30 years old, maybe. And this, obviously, Harry Clark is only 21. He's a ball-playing player as well. So with the greatest respect to Dynastian, because I really like him, this is probably a technically better player that's coming in that can, you know, offer bringing the ball out. And if he can dovetail and link up with Burns as as well as Dynastian has, then then that's absolutely superb, you know. Yeah, Dynastian turned 29 just before Christmas. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's, it's one with an eye to the to the future. And, and maybe, you know, football is a harsh a harsh business. If we do get promoted, has Dynastian maybe reached his ceiling in League One? He's played in the Championship before for us on a handful of occasions. He didn't get any kind of consistent runs, but but maybe this is one to look for next season if hopefully we all get to where we hope we, we're, we're going to go. Yeah, and, and worth noting that McKenna likes the the solid option, the, the two players for each position kind of situation. And I guess there's... KVY hasn't really given us a huge amount of um, reason to doubt him. In fact, he came off the bench, didn't he, last week against Plymouth. But you, I guess you wonder whether he's at the standard. And defensively, I think he's probably not got the defensive sensibilities that Clark has. So is is it... I mean, players are going to have to leave, aren't they, now, to, to be able to make the registrations? No, he's, un- he's underage. He's 21. So? Yeah, he's underage. He, he could just slot in with no one else having yeah. to leave. I guess we've deregistered ball. So we had three... If you deregister ball, we had three slots available. Luongo, Broadhead and Hurst take those slots, but Clark can just be a, a free hit for the rest of the season. Right. But, but, but nevertheless, from a squad point of view, it's congested yeah, from, now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. From a squad point of view, I guess KVY is useful because his versatility allows him to cover both fullback positions and maybe in an emergency as a as a centre-half in a back three. But I guess you know that means you're leaving out Greg Lee each week, as we saw last weekend against Plymouth. So maybe you have to ease one or two out the door just to kind of keep the dressing room kind of happy. You know? so, but who, and so for these guys that? wanting to go and play football as well, you know, I've, I've got no, 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 no doubts that you know KVY would get a decent kind of League One side and go and play some football. Because unfortunately for him, I think he'd probably agree the injuries have meant he's not the player we thought you know we were going to get in in the summer of 2019 when he joined us. Yeah, and we 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 have said as well that Jackson's probably the cover for Wes Burns right wing as well isn't he so you know kvy could do that and has done that job but again he's not he's not going to get you the end product perhaps that wes burns or even a, even a caden jackson will get so it'll be yeah. interesting to see how, how that one plays out obviously we have to caveat it that we are speculating or sorry we are we are interpreting the new situation as it relates to us at sort of eight o'clock on thursday so things might change but it's looking all signs points towards we need to get our lucky eight ball try again later which is essentially what we're doing right now with twitter um but yeah everything looks like it's gonna happen um so yeah interesting times there in terms of players that are uh, on their way out i mean elkham bank has been at gillingham for half the season has been recalled to cheltenham matt penny's returned from motherwell where he's had a pretty um solid loan spell do you want to give us your take on those two situations seb yeah, so Elkin Baggett's been at Gillingham, hasn't he? He was getting game time. I think, was it 22 appearances, I think, so far for the start of the year? Three goals as well. Goals, so he was doing yeah. okay, but they are obviously complete relegation fodder. They're a bit of a basket case at the moment. I know they've brought in, you know, a new structure, uh, a new management, but they are kind of, you know, not where you're probably going to want a, a young, kind of hopeful ball-playing left-sided centre-back to get, you know, decent kind of kind of experience. So he's gone to Cheltenham in our league, which is, you know, a step up for him. Six months at League Two, and he's straight into into League One. So another good development loan for him, hopefully. And um, it'd be nice if you could start with a bit of a boost this weekend because they're playing one of our rivals. So that would be a nice little start, and hopefully he'll get some decent game time there. And yeah, another another good solid development loan out for him. And Matt Penny yeah. coming back, that I thought he would just stay. I thought 
they just announced they've renegotiated the, the loan to the end of the season because he got he was doing really well. He was he was described as outstanding, I think, by Hamill, the, the Motherwell manager. He won their player of the year in October and November. So what a player well, of the year in October. Oh, sorry, yeah, player of the month <laughs> in October and November. He's that good. Um, he's that good. Just they cancelled cancelled the vote. Um so yeah, I thought they just announced that it was being extended to the end of the season or it would be a mutual consent FC and he would sign there. But for whatever reason he's, he's come back here, he can't be registered without deregistering a player so a bit of a strange one he kind of did he go on instagram or twitter i saw something on the socials which appeared to be a bit of a you know definitive thanks very much farewell so we'll have to see where that one goes maybe they're hopeful they'll get a, a, a low fee from you know a league one league two side and, and just get a bit of a return on him he's out of contract in the summer and obviously he won't be retained so mm. we'll see what happens to that one i guess yeah and uh, maybe his agent thinks he can do better than motherwell perhaps mm. um but it would seem a strange one. Um, uh, or maybe there is some hardball negotiating going on behind the scenes as well. And we're kind of so testing Motherwell's reserve by recalling him back and, um, you know, saying, we're, we're happy to let him sit in the reserves for six months. You know, what are you going to do about it kind of thing? So we'll wait and see on that one. And as for Baggett, from what I hear from Gillingham fans, he stood out. And, yeah. and that's what you want for a young player going online. That's what we've not had... Um, maybe in in previous regimes where lone players go out to lower divisions and don't really stand out from all accounts Baggett the reports have been really positive there so it'd be great to see him contribute at league one level and yeah if he can do anything to help us um, then that would be fantastic won't it but yeah Cheltenham just outside the relegation danger for now um, probably need to um, yeah get a few more points but we know for a fact they're quite obstinate and difficult to beat don't we so um we shall see how he gets on there. Um, Under-18s um, were in FA Youth Cup action through to the fifth round. I was there along with You were Joe representing, weren't you, with and the Blue Dave, Monday group? Yeah, yeah. Um, entertaining game. Had very similar situation. Well, very similar to um, Plymouth. Quite end-to-end. Quite two well-matched teams, despite the fact that Forest are a Category 1 side. They're, I think they're fourth in their Premier League Northern Division, whatever it's called. Um, and they were the losing cup finalists last season so um beating them is no mean feat um so yeah home advantage perhaps told there i don't know um in terms of players to look out for uh, the twins harry and finley barbara were standouts for me um goal scorer rio morgan looked like he had a bit of naughtiness about him which i quite liked um scored, bit, the, scored, edge. scored our goal and um the winning penalty as well and yeah looking forward to liverpool rekindling that um, rivalry we've got with Liverpool now in the the FA Youth Cup, and that will be played, I think, before the 11th of February. I think it has to be played. Okay. Was that um, last year we lost to them? Was it the year before? I think it was the year before. Because fans before. couldn't go. Is that right? Am I right? It was on BT Sport, of, wasn't it? I, yeah, I was it that. COVID and only I think the, the fans couldn't go and stuff? Yeah, that, that even the families I don't think were allowed to go to. Yeah, that that, that, yeah. that rings a bell. Adam Ate was in charge at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, so. Um, it'll be good to get plenty in Portman Road for that one. And I'm sure more details on dates and all that kind of stuff um, during due course. But yeah, good positive moves again from our, our youth teams. That's what you want to see. Um, in final bits and pieces of news, ITFC women play on Sunday. They've got a rearranged game. They did have a weekend off, but I think looking to bounce back after disappointment away at Pompey, um, London Bees, the opposition a little bit more friendly. Um, just above the relegation zone and, and haven't amassed too many points. So Joe Sheehan's side will be hoping to bounce back there with a victory. We wish them all the very best for that one. And then next week, back in FA Cup action, and we'll have more about that next week and hopefully some guests or two from ITFC Women to talk all about it. Should we talk about Oxford then, Seb? Um, yes, it, it feels like we did this like two weeks ago. It's the yeah. one. There's always a fit. There's every year. There's a fixture, isn't there, where you play them twice in the space of a month. I remember it was Sunderland last year. I went to the Stadium of Light must have been mid-November, maybe the end of November. And then it was the game when McKenna was announced. It's like a three or four-week turnaround. So, yeah, it's a repeat of the Boxing Day fixtures for the league programme, isn't it? Yeah, and in our script, we don't have this until maybe three or four things in. I mentioned this in the start. Should we talk about this this record we've got at Oxford? Do you want to talk us through the stats? Because neither of us have... They are definitely a home-and-away team, aren't they, Oxford? And seemingly... Yeah our history away at Oxford isn't particularly favourable, is it? 
it's not no is it in the league away at the Kassan we've, we, we've, we haven't won a game we've, we've drawn seven and we've lost four and since coming back down to league one we've had these kind of binary results up until the Boxing Day 3-0 victory we discussed it on the, the pre-match show for that one didn't we but the, yeah the first year down it was a nil-nil I think that was in torrential rain if I remember rightly proper monsoon style conditions the, the year after the COVID season was another nil-nil draw and then last season we all remember fast, the, the, yeah last season we remember the one all you know Selena put us one nil up we're going to close on top six the fans are going crazy and they win a corner in the 95th minute we all know what happened after that so Luke McNally rising high to to head home so yeah it's, it's traditionally not a game that we kind of you know excel in we haven't won there and it's not a game of, of high scoring either that said, obviously, we did battle them 3-0 on uh, on Boxing Day, but we'll talk about that game in a minute because I, I, I seem to remember them having a few chances in the first 15, 20 minutes or so. So it is a side that, you know, will, will cause us problems and our record there isn't amazing. And for those of the right vintage, we do we have one in the League Cup and the Simod Cup, which I don't know what that, that is, but I'm sure someone will tell us all about that one. Um, so we, it's not like we've never won away at Oxford, but in the league, yeah, the record, seven draws, four losses is not... And haven't, we got a, and we've got a similar thing with Cambridge in a couple of weeks' time as well. Is it? Brilliant. We have, we've never won in the league at Cambridge either, so that's that's to but be what, ticked off as well. Tick these, these both off and we're yeah, laughing. Yeah, just all these stats need to be ignored. They're irrelevant. Um, what happens at 3 o'clock on Saturday is the most important thing. And ironically, overall, we're, we have the better of them in the head-to-head record, which means our home games against them must be massively out <laughs> outperforming, given um, all that away shambles. But... Talk to us about where Oxford are in the league um, and uh, let's focus on the home form this time around and give me some details of how they get on at the Kassam. Yeah, so they're currently sat 13th in the league with 32 points, played 25 games, won eight, drawn eight, lost nine. So, you know, a pretty kind of inconsistent side without any kind of massive numbers in any of the columns. Scored 31 goals and conceded 28. The last six games is 14th in the form table. Two wins, two defeats and two draws. So again, that kind of ties in with the overall league league results so far. They're a side that kind of struggled to get going and kind of build some, some momentum. Their home form isn't amazing. I was quite surprised. Their away form is much stronger than their home form. They're 19 in the home form table so if the, if, the, if the league was based just on home results they are 19th with 15 points from 12 games or 1.25 points per game which isn't going to get you anywhere quickly in this league is it they're 15th for home goals scored only scored 16 goals at home uh, conceded 13 and they've lost their last two in both competitions in, in all competitions at the Kassam they lost 1-0 to Exeter in the league and there was a 3-0 defeat against Arsenal but that said that Arsenal game I, I didn't watch it but I seem to remember it took them quite a while to break them down they got it to half time 0-0 nil, nil. yeah 0-0 at half time second half they broke them down so they are a kind of you know a, a, a stubborn side that I don't think will give too much away and worth mentioning as well uh, we'll talk about Carl Robinson very briefly you can obviously refer back to our previous podcast about Oxford on, on for more detail on that one but generally his reputation is that of streakiness and it's worth saying that right now they are it's kind of a toss a coin whether it's a draw or a defeat or a win rather than going on long unbeaten or long losing runs, which they had done and they had had a poor start to the season. So they've not really established any kind of form of consistency, which is generally the hallmark of Carl Robinson's management there. Um, But Seb, um, a win last time out away at Fleetwood, Um, not an easy place to go, um, but maybe not all that, it was cracked up to be, perhaps. Yeah, 2-1 win on paper, but even the manager came out afterwards and kind of admitted they didn't deserve anything from the game. It was a 90th-minute winner from the fullback Kieran Brown. He kind of prods home from a corner. Fleetwood were 1-0 up, and to be fair, in the first half, it looks like they absolutely battered them. Oxford were reliant on Simon East with the keeper, who seemed to just make save after save, and then a guy from Fleetwood puts a... a ball over the bar from from a yard out uh, so I guess when those kind of things start to happen you start to think you know this isn't going to be our day but in the second half they made a tactical change Billy Bowden comes on for Marcus McGuane in midfield and they kind of go more more attacking Carl Joseph who we'll discuss in a minute who was absent for the Boxing Day game scores a lovely goal he kind of picks the ball up cuts inside beats a couple of men and rolls the ball home and they, they win it in the 90th minute but the stats were all in favour of Fleetwood you know Oxford had more possession but apart from that they had 13 shots to Fleetwood's 18 they had two shots on targets to Fleetwood's five, only one big chance to Fleetwood's three. So it was very much a kind of smash and grab. And Carl came out afterwards and said, we were the worst team and we were completely indebted to our keeper on the day for getting us those three points. But, you know, it's not an easy place to go. And a win is a win. So they'll be heading into this one on a bit of confidence, I guess. Yeah, well, worth noting last time out, we'll talk very briefly now about 
our game on Boxing Day. It was an eight-game unbeaten run for them, um, mm. which included actually previous to the defeat to us an away draw at Sheffield Wednesday. So they were on a, a good run, and then that defeat to us has kind of shaken things up a little bit. But it was a very dominant performance. My recollection, Seb, was we were under the cosh actually for the first 15 odd minutes 15 mm. 20 minutes and then McKenna I think shifted things around a little bit a bit of a tactical change and Davis wasn't pushed so high and then for some reason it, simultaneously they just sort of ran out of puff they were quite pressing quite high and we'll talk about Brannigan and Bowden because I think they they lead that high press but they just kind of packed up a little bit part way through and then we we got the goals kind of at the right time and in the end we're pretty comfortable and probably could have won by a bit more than that but any thoughts or points that you want to pick out on that game I'm in terms of dominance, I can see if I can get the stats here very briefly. Yeah, if you look at the stats, like the three now, I think, you know, like you say, we could have won by more. But I remember there being in the first 15, 20 minutes a couple of times. I think they got in behind and we mm. had to rely on Walton to make a couple of good saves. Ladapo does well. He scores, you know, what you'd like a, a number nine goal to be. I can't remember who someone has the shot and the keeper. It wasn't Eastwood in goal that day. It was a, a, a standing keeper, the reserve keeper, wasn't it? McGinty. Yeah, McGinty. Yeah, McGinty spills it and Ladapo taps home. And then that lovely goal at the near post from the corner. Davis floats mm. the corner in and Burns hits it on the volley. That was a lovely goal. And it was 2-0 before half time. And the second half was like you say, you know, they ran out of puff and we kind of let you know eased off a little bit. And then Aluko finds Chaplin in A because the space doesn't need any rifles one home to, you know, cap a cap a good day. But I do remember them causing us some problems in the first 15, 20 minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, they did the shithousery thing of flipping us round from kickoff as well. You hate us. that, don't you? That's your I hate when they do that. Bugbear. But in terms of, I mean, shots on goal, 18 to 9. Um, you know, I think there were the stats generally marry up that the the result wasn't a fluke. But you're right that the idea that it was all one way traffic, that, that they had some. I think was it Bowden hit side netting, I think, or the kind of the stanchion, the post behind yeah, the goal. They, they had some um, chances, and that was almost that was probably the wake up call that we needed to get moving. So, yeah, tough tough opposition and not to be underestimated. Um, what's changed since the Boxing Day game? Said in terms of personnel. The window's been open, but not a huge amount of business. No, they seem to be struggling to do business. Robinson's come out this week to the the local press and done an interview saying they're facing difficulties to get people in. They identified they wanted a striker, and Robinson did a quote, I think it was back in December time, saying ideally he'd like them in before the Fleetwood game and and nothing has materialised. I guess Brandon Fleming is a name that people might have heard of. He's kind of a left-back, left-wing back from Hull in the Championship. He's arrived on loan for the second half of the season, which has enabled them to move Steve Seddon, who is their sort of reserve left back at the moment, out to Cambridge for the second half of the season. Um, there are some alleged uh, irregularities over a yellow card received by Kieran Brown in the Arsenal FA Cup game. So I guess maybe there's a train of thought if there's a ban coming his way, then they've moved quickly to kind of secure that position with, with Fleming coming in. And apart from that, it's ones for the future. They've made a couple of very young defensive additions, I presume, for the reserve squad, for the you know the development squad. Stephen Negru is joined from, from Shelburne uh, in Ireland. He's only 20 years old. And Teddy Mafunu is joined from Warrington, town he's only 18 so you know ones with an eye on the future but as we'll come on when we discuss their stats they're a side that need improvements in the the front through primarily in that in that kind of central striking position because that's where they that's where they're struggling but for whatever reason they just they just can't get deals done at the moment and a and a departure on the day we record albeit probably a player that might not have featured too much on saturday but an important player and and uh, probably doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well yeah, John Massinio has moved on to, to Pompey. Uh, I think that broke kind of mid-afternoon, didn't it? You fired me across the text saying, keep an eye on this one. Out, out of the blue, I think they were linked with Robbie Keane and stuff at some point, but John Massinio mm. has gone there. He's 36. I think he was the club captain, barely featured this year. I think he'd made two, two, to two or three appearances so far, but he'd been doing a bit of coaching with them. He was coaching and re- responsible for their defensive and offensive set pieces, which we will discuss in a minute because they are a, a threat from those, and he'd been looking after them, so decent pedigree. He got his UEFA Pro license last summer so he's qualified and ready to go and yeah he's moving on to to Portsmouth for his first stab at, at management so yeah wish him all the best he won't feature on uh, on the weekend let's talk about um well let's go into the formation and the style of play we've we've talked about Carl, Carl Robinson before again you're not it's, you're not a fan on Carl Robinson are you have I, have I made that up or yeah I no you're right uh, is it because you know, of the S Housery or is it no not really I mean that's that's part of it and there and there was a bit of that on on boxing there as well, but it didn't make any difference because we were winning at that point. So, you know, fill your boots, guys. It's, it's your own time you're wasting kind of thing. <laughs> um, whenever he was linked with us, I, I was a bit underwhelmed, to be honest. I 
Maybe it's because he's was, from the same. I don't remember that. Was he linked with us? Was he? Yeah, quite a few times. Maybe oh, when Mitch was thinking. I think around that time. Yeah, maybe before and after. Must have um, missed that. Okay. But I think maybe it's because he's from the same part of the world as Paul Jewell. I just think of him as like Paul Jewell. <laughs> okay. Paul Jewell. I've just got a, you know a, an automatic aversion to his time and 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 ironically there's a stat that comes up later on that reminded me of Paul Jewell. So I will pick that up later on if people will stick around with the podcast. But yeah, I'm just not convinced. And I remember working with a um, an Oxford fan for a while and he was never convinced any either. And then they went on this amazing run and he had to kind of had to hold his tongue. But he's done well there. I'm not gonna pretend that they, you know, they are outperforming or at least in previous seasons have probably outperformed the resources that they've got access to. But I'm just not convinced, Seb. But it's, Fair it's enough. maybe it's a I guess that explains preference. why he's never managed higher up the food chain. I know he had the spell where he got MK into the championship, but the majority of his work's kind of been sort of League One level, hasn't it? So I guess other other people agree with you, and that might be why they uh, why he's never got you know a, a chance further up. I don't remember him being linked with us at all. I must have completely right. missed that. I or like you, been, I've yeah. got horror. I've got horror thoughts of scousers like Paul Jewell as well. So maybe like you, I've blanked it out of my mind. I think, yeah, maybe we will put that era in the back of our minds, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I, I may, and partly it's personal preference, right? We don't have to like everyone who's involved don't, in football. Yeah, and no. it's not like it's not like he needs me to like him either. <laughs> so, oh, no, Rich doesn't like me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm if yeah, I'm, I, I wouldn't be convinced if I was a League One team challenging or a lower end championship club. I'm not sure I'd be convinced. Um, but doing really well at Oxford, has to be said. So. Let's move on and let's talk about the way that he sets the team up, Seb, and, and maybe some of the key names of, of which quite a few will be familiar. Yeah, so a 4-3-3 is their kind of most used formation so far this season. They've used it 14 times. They've used it in the last three league games as well. They kind of changed that a little bit when they came to Portman Road, uh, but it's reverted back to the, the the normal kind of 4-3-3. I guess the key players, we spoke about Cameron Brannigan on the December preview show before Boxing Day. He's kind of their main star man, isn't he? Turned down and moved to Blackpool in the, the summer. Blackpool are now managed by Mick McCarthy as well. That was confirmed tonight, wasn't it? You can still find him, yeah. He's back in the game with Terry. Oh, the dinosaur. Terry is his assistant. Oh, no, leave him alone. I think he'll do all right there. I think he'll keep them up. Do you? Yeah, don't you? I mean, that's his, That's why you recruit Mick McCarthy. Yeah. He's got that yeah. experience. I guess I'm not... I guess Blackpool, Blackpool are purists, I think, so they'll probably be fine with it. I guess if you're Blackpool as well, you'd expect to go down. So if he keeps them up, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I just wonder whether, whether Mick McCarthy's VHS and DVD era, I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see how he gets on there. Yeah, um, fair enough. I've, yeah. I've, I've got no axe to grind with Mick McCarthy. I don't think the way it ended here was particularly good, but I don't wish him any ill thought. And no, we've we've all moved on now. I think yeah, the I think. game is better for people like McCarthy being in it. Sometimes it's probably yeah. a little bit more academic and cerebral these days. So to have someone who says it like it is, and old plays school. four four f in two. It's um sometimes it's nice to see the complicated strategies, and maybe he'll do that against. David Wagner's Norwich with their, you know, oh, asymmetric nice, four three two one, and Mick McCarthy just shit houses a one nil with a set piece. <laughs> and, so good luck to him. But yeah, um, yeah, good luck to him. So yeah, Cameron Brannigan turned down a move to Blackpool in the summer and signed a new, I think it was a three-year deal at the time at Oxford. He's kind of their main guy, isn't he? Captain, scored six so far this season, two from open play, two from set pieces and two penalties. He presses from the front. He's got the highest tackles per game for Oxford, 1.7 per game. So he's the main man who'll make them tick. And I guess when you think of Oxford, he's probably the, the, the star man, the player who most people will associate with that club. And he's an all-round decent player. I thought he was very quiet at Portman Road. And did he get in a bit of a tussle with somebody in the Luco kind of barged into him, if I remember right, mm. didn't he? And kind of backed his man up. I quite enjoyed that. You don't see enough yeah, of that football. Of, yeah, he's a focal point, definitely. And yeah, I was I was impressed when I, when we found that stout on the highest tackles. Um, mm. And there's quite a lot of the, the forward players and midfielders with, with high um, tackles per game and interceptions. So he definitely sets the tone you right with that. Yeah, Carl Joseph has come back to fitness as well. He wasn't involved on Boxing Day. He's on loan from Swansea. He's kind of one that can play in either of the wide forward positions in the 4-3-3. I guess they'd have pinned high hopes on him delivering this season and kind of solving a lot of their goal-scoring issues. But he got quite a bad injury, I think, at the start of November. And uh, he came off the bench last weekend against Fleetwood. That's his first appearance since the injury. So he might potentially be one that comes in for a start. He scored with pretty much his first kick of the game against Fleetwood. It's a lovely goal. He cuts in from the right-hand side, beats uh, beats the full-back, goes inside 
inside sort of Josh Earl and somebody else in the box and just rolls the ball home. So potentially one to look out for. He might well get a uh, get a start. He scored six goals, um, including the game against Fleetwood. So five goals before his injury and then back up running against Fleetwood last weekend. So potentially one that could come back in as well. And I guess one of those players who they've got high hopes for for the second half of the season, solving a lot of their creative and a lot of their goal scoring issues in the front three. Billy Bowden, a player you mentioned, he came on at half time last week and kind of went to the inside left channel. He's got four goals and three assists from 22 appearances. Spells at Preston, I think it was, mm-hmm. up in the championship, but kind of come back down again. Josh Murphy is still there. You know, the guy from Norwich who we discussed last time. I think somebody paid 10 million quid for once was it Cardiff I think paid 10 million pound for right. he's another option in, in in the front three Lewis Bate is on loan from Leeds getting rave reviews at the moment he plays alongside Brannigan with kind of Marcus McGuane as the, the safety net in the uh, in, in the midfield he'll McGuane will sit and that will give license to Bate and Brannigan to get forward and look to you know link and make things happen and then they've got this strange sort of striking option so normally Matty Taylor is the the central striker we would all kind of associate with games gone past and being a good solid you know pressing League One forward but they started with uh, with Gatlin Odonka last weekend uh, away to Fleetwood he's only 18 uh, he's made kind of two starts four appearances so far this season but he was the main focal point last uh, last weekend's Fleetwood so potentially he could be in that number nine position again or it'll go back to Matty Taylor who hasn't really kind of hit any heights so far this season I don't think any of them really have um, mm. Brannigan aside I mean even six for arguably their best player and two of two those penalties, penalties as yeah. well so um, I, and you can see as Joe Royal said you can't count penalties you can't <laughs> do you remember Did that with Pablo no. Pablo scored yeah Pablo I think it was in the must have been the second season back down after we lost like May Holland and stuff the year we bring in Diallo and Santos I'm sure Pablo has like 12 goals and they were going through a bit of a thing, weren't they, where he wasn't fit and all that kind of stuff. He said he reported back unfit. And I'm sure Joe Rule came out and said, oh, you can't really count the penalties because he scored four penalties or something. So, wow. yeah. I mean, given our issues with scoring penalties, um, I mean, you've got to be given them. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be saying that. It's like saying you don't win friends with salad. It's quite a pithy statement for Joe Rule. <laughs> God bless him. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some, there is players with pedigree in there. McGuane, ex-Arsenal, Barca B, Nottingham Forest. You mentioned Bay Online from Leeds. So there is some quality in there, but probably not the kind of quality that's going to create massive chances or convert them as well, which probably tells some of the story there. Um, I kind of see it. I don't know if you agree. I kind of see it as a solid defence. Elliot Moore, Sam Long, you know, a, a solid kind of defence, a decent midfield with with aspects of quality. Combative. And they just struggle in the front yeah. three, don't they? That's, that's how I see it. That front three, they can't kind of get anybody consistently to deliver the numbers, the kind of the, you know, the back third, the middle third of the pitch are fine or, you know, okay at League One standard. Uh, but that front three is really kind of letting them down. That's that's how I see it. That might be yeah. a simplistic view of seeing it, but that's, no, how, no, I, that's how I view things. I think that midfield, as I said, is combative rather than yeah. creative. Um, and I definitely recall quite a lot of their goals last season from being being from range. So the quality of chances, albeit the XG is quite high, um, if we dip into the stats in a second. Um conversion is maybe the issue um, and maybe teams have sussed them out from last season and there's a bit of a re-strategy that they need to figure mm. out there to, to create those chances or convert those goals but it does feel like the personnel they've, they've got in the building isn't really doing the job for that um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can act before the end of the window um, Keeper's only got three clean sheets um, Eastwood who missed the game at Portman Road um, Ed McGinty is, who deputised has no clean sheets so I guess it will surprise anyone in his three appearances so Eastwood will Eastwood will play um, yeah. But they, yeah, they're not keeping clean sheets. Um, in fact, um, most of those clean sheets are away from home, aren't they? I'm trying to remember. Uh, is it one clean sheet or two clean sheets from home? I think it's two, isn't it? I think it? it's two at home, yeah, two at the Kassan. Yeah. But, but as I mentioned then, and, and this is really strange and weird, they're kind of the inverse of Plymouth. I remember us trying to find the the rays of light last week about Plymouth, and it proved to be the case because the goal they scored, the Mumba goal, low XG, massive yeah. deflection. And that was, apart from, I guess we forget Hardy's absolute sitter from eight yards out and for basically an empty net. But um, the quality of chances there kind of proved what we've been talking about from Plymouth. They're very effective at converting those chances. And that's probably the issue with Oxford. Their XG, really high. The home XG is 1.97 per game. So that's the quality of chances they're creating, which is the fourth best in the division but they're scoring 1.3 goals per game, 16 goals in total at home, which is the 13th highest in the league. Yeah. So you can see the disparity there. So maybe I've been critical with the, the midfield or the, the chance creation. It, the issue is the conversion of those chances because otherwise they'd be much higher. 
a lot of the chances as you'd expect, or a lot of the goals they're scoring are from open play, but a chunky amount, Seb, from from set pieces, dare we say it. Yeah, five, as we know from Luca McNally, he's moved on to Burnley, but as we know from McNally last season, they've scored five of their 16 home goals have been from set pieces, which is 31%, uh, which is the joint fifth best in the league. So they are a, they are a threat. They've got a bit of, bit of size about them. Elliot Moore, one of the centre-backs, is like six foot four, I think, six foot five, maybe. He's a big old unit. So they've got a bit of physicality in the side that, yeah, they will be a threat from, from, from offensive set pieces for sure. And um, and as I mentioned before, the stat that I teased before, um, they are the highest shot takers at home in the division. 19 shots on average per game. Um, and six of those typically are on target, which is the second highest. But I got this stat wrong last week. I forgot to mention shots from outside the area when we were talking about Plymouth. I think I might have come back and clarified it, but let me get this right this time around. So, they have the highest number of shots from outside the area in the division by quite a margin, I think. And of their 229 total shots so far this season, 113 are from outside the area, which represents 49% of their shots on goal, Seb, are outside the area. So that perhaps tells you the story with why they're not scoring too many goals, because if they're trying efforts from outside the 18-yard box, but maybe you don't have the quality of a Whitaker or a Mumba, then maybe yeah. that tells the story. And just for clarity, we I think we've got the most shots taken in in total in League One, and only thirty three percent of our shots are from outside the yeah. area. Maybe we need to take a few more, perhaps. Um, in, in terms of other stats that are interesting and where they are kind of high performing, pass accuracy is pretty good. Um, possession at home is the second highest at just under sixty percent. Um, away from home it's only 46.5 yeah, percent so that chimes with that home and away yeah. um situation there top for aerial duels though conversely which is interesting 20 average 28 home duels one per game and they'll dribble as well at a six for dribbles per game about six per game so that's what the stats say xga in terms of their defensive record they are conceding this the number of goals that xg would predict for them 0.08 Pretty good, fifth best in terms of XGA and ninth best in terms of their goals record. But yeah, XGA is 1.08. Their goals per game conceded at home, 1.08. There you go. XG tells the story, gets it right. And it so for the, these- simple, the simpletons like me, this basically means they are conceding the number of goals you would expect them to concede, but they are scoring way under the number of goals you would expect them to score. For, yeah, if you believe that XG is an accurate if, representation yeah, if you believe it's XG the quality of chances. If okay. you don't, then you can get your Mick McCarthy voice and say, it's mumbo-jumbo, <laughs> lad. I, the, the key stat is the one at the top corner. Um, I'm delighted we've got an impression back as well. You know, oh, we yeah. Have, you're going to have to do this rusty. now every, every yeah. yeah, prepare it. We're going to have to, we'll have mixed thoughts of the week and you're, you can do it as a voice every <laughs> single, between now and the end of the season. It'd be great. I, 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 he's a bit Boltony there, I think. I've got Peter Kay in the brain at the moment, but yeah. Well, is, he, is he from Barnsley? Is it Leeds or something? Yeah, he's, he's, from, he's, he's yeah. definitely Yorkshire, so I just need to get the Yorkshire. Well, you've got a week, a week to perfect it. I'll keep going, but yeah, you talked about Seb, set-piece goals for. Do you want to scare everyone, given we've got such a good set-piece record at the moment with home record set-pieces-wise? Yeah, no goals conceded from a set-piece. So, like we said, Massinio, who's moved on to to, to, to Pompey, uh, was looking after the offensive and the defensive set-pieces. Very good in both because they've scored 31% of their home goals from set-pieces and haven't conceded a single one against. So, whatever he was doing was was, was working well. So, yeah, shame for that for us because we are obviously, you know, a, a massive threat. I'm not sure if we're still the top scorers in the league with our set-pieces. But, yeah, they are very tight about which again comes into the fact they've got a few big old units in the back there. So, um, so yeah, maybe we'll come on to discuss what we're going to do, but maybe a bit of physicality up front might be needed. Yeah, tell us about the stat for shots conceded. It's not doesn't make good reading, does it? Uh, at home, no, 8.5 shots conceded per game, which is the second best in the league. So mm. they are miserly with the shots and the chances they will give away, which I guess kind of you know, all this kind of stats explain why the games between us over the, since our time down in League One have been so close. So I, I know Boxing Day was a bit of an outlier, but the rest of them are all kind of, you know, nil, 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 one, nil, 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 one, one. You know, it's not a game that normally is high scoring, which explains, you know, why they, they, they give relatively little away at the back is, is quite a fair way to describe it. Agreed. Yeah, we'll be back after this. Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth and the development of an AI centre of excellence in Suffolk. Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. 
For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge, with more. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Follow. So, to summarize our thoughts on Oxford, then, so I think you started doing it there. Um, definitely a different proposition at home compared to what we saw at Portman Road. Yeah. Um, very miserly, I think, was your word, defensively. Um, and we'll try and shoot from range, yeah. but we'll probably be frustrated um, maybe by the lack of goals they score. Set pieces is a problem, and we shouldn't expect them to be welcoming when it comes to conceding set pieces. And, or so conceding it's going to be 4-3 to Ipswich with goals galore <laughs> from set pieces now, isn't it? Now we've just said all We're doing that. our best to jinx it, aren't we? <laughs> that's maybe our job here, isn't it? Let's talk about, as you mentioned that, um, you were at the Plymouth game last week. Are there, yeah. a, are there anything that you would immediately change? With there's hints that Broadhead, if he trains to, on Friday, yeah, obviously recording this Thursday, then he might feature. Um, but I guess the obvious shout is Ladapo or Hurst, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's hinted in the pre-match pressure, hasn't he? He kind of said we'll see plenty of minutes. He he's, wasn't injured at Blackburn. He's trained well. He had a couple of behind closed doors during the World Cup break. So I think Hurst will, will start this one. I think he'll come in for Ladapo up front. I thought Ladapo did okay against Plymouth. He did fine. Missed a couple of chances. Potentially should have squared for that one for for Burns. But I think I, I think Hurst has been bought here to play. You know, he's kind of one of the the bits of the jigsaw we went after all last summer. So I think I expect him to play Broadhead. I don't think will start. I guess if someone's only, you know, if, if it's dependent on a good training session on the on the day before the game, he's probably going to be a bench option at best. So I think Hurst will come in. And other than that, I expect it to be the Burns, Chaplin, Harness kind of three behind him. Okay. What do you think we'll do? Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think Ladapo will get another go? Or It's Ladapo's shirt to lose, isn't it? But do you think he did enough against Plymouth to keep that and now again if George Hurst has got another few minutes under his belt and is, is kind of you know training well and looking good. I think Hurst is more of a physical presence. He's definitely taller. Yeah. Yep. As you mentioned, Oxford quite dominant centre-back. So I wonder whether that might play into McKenna's thinking. The other thing we need to be thinking about as well is who would you rather bring off the bench? Because our bench is almost as important as the team that starts, maybe even more so depending on how games pan out. And would you rather bring on... Ladapo, or would you rather bring on Hurst? And I, I wonder whether Ladapo in certain games is a better option to bring off the bench, perhaps. I don't know. Think, I, mean, I, th- I think he tends to struggle when he comes off the bench. I think Ladapo's so. best work has always been when he started. I think him and Harness are ones where they come off the bench. They kind of almost struggle to get in the rhythm of the okay. game. And I guess depending, I, I was at uh, Sheffield Wednesday when Ladapo came on and the, the side dropped so deep, he looked so isolated up front. So, you know, that, that example wasn't really his fault. But I've just seen across the season, I think both of them are a lot, lot, 
better and sharper when they start games. Yeah, um, I remember Derby. I think Ladapo came on and I, I was quite critical, probably yeah. probably unnecessarily so, but I didn't really feel, feel like he got up to speed and his job, I think, was to start the, the high press, at least to me, and he didn't really do too much of that, but maybe he was supposed to be an outball. But yeah, I, I, okay. Um, well, I, I, but I do think that perspective as to who you want coming off the bench is a, as big a consideration maybe as yeah. who starts. So, but okay, uh, it feels like it's, it's possibly a Ladapo start and a Hurst coming on 60 okay. perhaps as we did last week. Who knows? Um, I, for some reason, I don't know. This has just come into my head, so I'm going to say it and I'll be proven wrong. I think Harness is going to score. I think Harness okay. is overdue a goal. I don't know why that came into my mind. I was speaking to um, um, some, uh, I was on um, Gab Sutton's EFL debate last night for League One and speaking to some guys there, including a Burton fan. And I remember the Burton goal that Harness scored. And mm. I got that in my mind again. So there you go. Okay. Don't, when the fun he, stops, stop. Don't put money on that. That's yeah. just um, He is due one. Has he, has he scored since he came back from injury? I'm not sure he has, has he? So he's, yeah, definitely, definitely due one. He had that he had last had week. The one, yeah, yeah, the one last week where he had all the time in the world and, and hit clips the, the top of the bar. But but yeah, he is due one. So yeah, potentially. So do you agree that Broadhead will probably start on the bench then and Harness starts the game? I think it's a risk, isn't it, if he hasn't yeah. really trained, but I would like to see him come off the bench, definitely, yeah, if yeah. it's fit enough. And I think and the rest it, of the side picked itself, doesn't it? Do you? Evans. Yeah. Why? What would you look to do? I'm again being super critical, and and I think uh, by the by the way, um, at, at least in real time recording, um, Clark hasn't signed yet for us yet. So um, so but I'd be surprised if he's on the bench at all anyway on, yeah. on Saturday, given the proximity to to match day if the deal's done. I mean, we've got two it... games next week as well. Haven't we? We've got Morecambe and then the FA Cup game. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So chance to blood him is on the horizon. Uh, if he's fit, I wonder whether Edmondson gets a nod instead of Burgess. And, okay. I, and I don't know whether I'm being really critical. I just think in a game like this one, I think it helps having someone like Edmondson who's better on the ball possession-wise. And I do think that Burgess has been unfortunate, but has nevertheless found himself partly contributing albeit in a very unfortunate manner to us conceding goals and i just wonder whether these marginal moments mckenna just thinks whether edmondson might be a better bet i don't know uh, what do you what do you think so when you say are you saying that um, burgess is directly responsible for conceding goals or just directly but he's been if he's had look, two deflections and he's had the one at Wickham yeah. where he committed himself quite early, didn't he? Exactly and, right. And, yeah. and the trouble is, and again, I'll send this to Gab, we are on the wrong end of some really marginal moments right yes. now. And the trouble is, I guess, if, if you're being objective about it, the people who have been involved in those marginal moments tend to be the same people. Yeah, so okay. given it's so hard to get in the squad in, in our starting eleven is there not a need for you to be at the top of your game? And whilst Burgess has definitely improved and is a much better player than when it, what the player we signed from Accrington, Fleetwood's in my mind, yeah. Plymouth's in my mind, Wickham's yeah. in my mind. Wickham. Does that not yeah. unsettle maybe the defence? If you've, if, you know, it's def- I'm not saying he's directly responsible for those goals, but his he has a part to play in it nevertheless, even if it's a small part. Am, am I being overly harsh? No, I don't think so. I mean, I've said on this podcast before, I, I think George Edmondson is the better player. I think he fits in better to how McKenna wants to play. So he's more comfortable bringing the ball out of defence. Like you said, Burgess has improved massively in that area. And I guess, you know, the, the right foot, left foot balance is a nice kind of, you know, attribute to have. But but I think Emerson is the, the better player. There just seems to be a bit of, you know, mystery around his, his, his like he's being managed with his illness or injury or whatever's, you know, going on, isn't it? There's there's definitely something about it. We, to, to be not on the bench last week with Keogh there, you know, yeah. I don't believe he is the fifth choice centre back. I think whatever either hangover from the the injury sustained last February January time, maybe he's having his game time managed a little bit. But I think he's the better footballer, so I'd have no issues if he, if he were to come in and start the game. But he's certainly not a left foot centre back, is he? And well, so- no, that's the issue you've got. Yeah, you will face that that kind of you know cutting back on the right foot. But but equally, you will gain the fact he will like Wolfenden, you know, pick up the ball and look to move forward into midfield, link up with Evans, link up with Davis. So you do, yeah, you lose the the left foot balance, but do you gain more by having another natural ball playing defender at the back? I think you probably do personally. And a fit Edmondson, I think, doesn't get as outpaced as easily as. Burgess did against Niall Ennis last week as well, which is something in my mind too. So that'll be interesting. Your your thoughts on players who didn't make the bench last week? We talked about Edmondson. Luca wasn't on the bench, was he? Um, yeah. Uh, which else? is which, given how the game played out, I, you know, when they brought Humphreys on and pushed Morsey into that kind of 
left-sided number 10 role that Harness was occupying, I couldn't help but think that would be an excellent opportunity for a Luco to come on, go into the number 10, and Chaplin shifts out wide. And then you've got that little bit of experience who can, you know, put his foot on the ball when it's needed, keep the ball, look to quickly move us up the pitch if, if, if opportunities arise. You know, for, for me, I would always have a Luco on the bench because no matter how the game is going, he would always prove useful. If we're looking to close a game down, then his close control, his awareness, his ball retention skills would be, you know, really, really useful. And equally, if we're chasing a game, then, you know, he's capable of those those brilliant moments where, you know, a simple slide, a, a simple defence splitting pass can be played. So I'd always have him on the bench personally. Uh, I guess you want your bench to be full of game changers. That's the point of the substitutes. Jackson's pace probably makes him an out-and-out, out, you know, dead cert on the bench because he's a game changer. So I think he'd have a Luco fighting out with Carl Edwards for the other kind of, you know, forward sub option. But I'd have him on the bench personally ahead of Edwards, I think, at the moment. And no Lee last week. You have KBY on the bench over Lee? Yeah, I guess it's just the versatility that, that, that kind of ticked that off, I assume, because KVY can cover both fullback positions if, if needed, whereas Lee is really only a, a left-back or maybe an emergency left-sided centre-back. If if Burns were to go down, it's, it's it's a lot more of a reshuffle to bring Lee on than it is to bring KVY on, isn't it? That's, that's the only logic I, I okay. presumed. I, I thought he might you not do have, have Jackson a centre-back. Yeah, I thought he might not have a centre-back on the uh, on the bench last week. I thought KVY might be the defender um, because Danassian could kind of, you know, slot inside to one of the centre-half roles if need be, and that would free up a space on the bench for another attacking player. But obviously, Kier was on there. So. Fair enough. Well, we'll come back to predictions shortly. Um, in terms of bits and pieces of podcast news or podcast business, uh, we are brought to you in partnership with our friends at the ground. Great atmosphere and buzz before the game wasn't there last week. So Yeah, really good. Um, I will be there ahead of the game on Tuesday night, I think, or maybe you're not, actually. But um, do head down to the Greyhound pre-match or any other time of the week. They've got lovely Christmas, not uh, winter menus and all that kind of stuff, lunch deals. So lots of cool stuff happening down the Greyhound. So do get down there and support them. Telegram group, Seb, always fun, isn't it? Match day chat will be a, a buzz on Saturday, won't it? Yeah, we opened it early last week, didn't we? We opened it on the was it the Friday we opened Friday night, it before yeah. the yeah for the Plymouth game to get the get the atmosphere going. So yeah, come and give it a go. Two week free trial, then it's only a fiver. Uh, you won't lose anything. The numbers have grown a little bit in the last week or so, haven't they? As well, so more people are joining our community, and yeah, it's great. It's a a, a, a nice safe space for well reasoned football debate uh, without any of the the trolls or or dickheads. So yeah, come and join us. It's a, <laughs> it's a great place to be. And lots of other stuff going on there as well. We've got academy chat and ITFC yeah, women chat, actually women chat, other and, football, yeah, general and Premier League and then, chat, yeah, and then lots of people sad about Ken Bruce leaving Radio Two and what that means for a Popmaster. So <laughs> even that kind of content is is welcome on the Blue Monday Telegram group. Um, merch wise, we did have a, a promo um, for free shipping, but that's now expired. But we'll keep you posted if anything else comes uh in terms up in terms of promos they're quite frequent there but if you can't wait if you want to get yourself a chunky blue monday hoodie and there's plenty of choice um mm. head to blue monday itfc.co.uk the links are there for for that the telegram group and all of our podcast and video output um, and all the shows and stuff like that we do an itinerary there as well flagship is back sunday night at 8 p.m we want you involved in the live debate there with ben Back in the host chair with Craig and Dave, I think it is. Um, might, might have got that wrong, but I'll double check that. And as always, if you're traveling down to the game on Saturday um, and you want to give us a heads up that you're listening or thinking of us or whatever, I don't know if you're thinking of us to people. Probably don't think of us. That's weird, isn't it? It's a bit um, weird, especially with you in that jumper. Oh, me, me and my milk tray, yeah. Um, do leave us uh, leave us a tweet or an Instagram or a um, a review um, um, and give us a thumbs up on YouTube and all that fun stuff as well. And um, yeah, I think that's all good. Should we do some predictions very briefly? So before we say goodbye, let's do some predictions. It's been a while since we've done predictions. Um, so I'll be honest, I thought we dropped it as a feature. I thought that because well, you'd started to lose a couple of weeks on the bounce, it had just vanished from the itinerary. So, yeah, I kind of figured we wouldn't be revisiting this one. I I'm can't sure I won the last... Didn't I win the last two? No, definitely not. I think yeah. I did. I'm sure I did. I'm pretty certain you only won one of them. I think one of them uh, was... Did, a... Joe, did Joe win? Joe won, yeah. So Joe yeah, did so the contributor has clawed back two weeks' worth. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. that's why I thought you got nervous and binned it off. So you're four rounds behind um, and 26 points behind. But yeah, feel if you want to feel good about yourself, then feel free, mate. <laughs> I kind of feel like I, I feel like I'm a par- I'm like an analogy for Ipswich. Started off really well and started yeah. to be clawed back and maybe being overtaken if I'm not too Let's careful. Let's see how you like being hunted. 
but yeah, I, I was in third place because um, FBO Tractor um, got more points than me as well. So I had a proper hiding um, match day 22, which was the Wickham round. So um, yeah, um, not a huge amount of excitement, a lot of postponements in that, which probably may have sought me right. No, that's I'm, I'm clutching his straws. Let's focus yeah. on this week because um, we have talked about um, binary score lines, haven't we? Zero zero is one 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 zero 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 one 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 for us. Um, before we deal with our game, we'll put it up on the screen there for those watching on YouTube. Um, but there's quite a few interesting ties involving top six teams. Derby Bolton, Seb, any comments on that one? I've gone for a narrow Derby win. They've hit a real run of form, haven't they? So I think the Pride Park advantage will will be crucial there. And yeah, you've gone for a 1-0. I've gone for a 2-1. And FPL track has gone for a 1-0. So we're all predicting a one-goal margin to the home side, aren't we? And Elkham Baggett turning up at Plymouth. Do you think he's going to do us a favour? You've got him scoring a goal, have you? I've got 3-1. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't he? Yeah, imagine if he can yeah, perform a defensive masterclass and keep them out and get a point or even better at home park. That would be absolutely ideal, wouldn't it? But I, I can't see them dropping points at home park against Cheltenham. Can you? No, you've gone. Yeah. Again, we've gone for the same thing, a two goal winning margin and FPL has gone for a three nil. So we'd love to all be proved wrong on that one, but I think we know what's going to happen. But then Cheltenham got a point at Portman Road, didn't they? We know they, they can do it. So yeah, but they'll just if it's nil nil in the ninetieth minute, Bally Mumble will just score, deflect from thirty yards out. It's what they do in it. So shit house I go. Yeah, that's yeah. the word of the day today, isn't it? Um <laughs> and then uh Sheffield Wednesday Fleetwood, we're not holding out much hope for Fleetwood, are we? No, I mean Wednesday are on a hell of a run of form, aren't they? And Fleetwood are a tough side. If it was at Fleetwood, I'd be a bit more optimistic. But again, yeah, you and me have gone for the two one score and FPL's gone for a three nil to Wednesday. So yeah, again, this is yeah, this is this is a big game for us, isn't it? I mean I can think of places I'd rather go for a, you know, a bit of pressure building a little bit. I, I don't think, well, we'll discuss our result in a minute. I don't think it's going to be the easiest game in the world. And I think, unfortunately, the way the fixture list has dealt both of our direct rivals are pretty much a free hit week. Um, we're going to have to go and get something at Oxford, aren't we? Not that this can happen, but if I'd offered you Morecambe on Saturday and Oxford on Tuesday, would you have taken it? Yeah. Yeah. So would I. Bounce, bounce I don't know why it is. Yeah, yeah, just bounce back. Portman Road again, you'd have like 27,000 there. Bounce back with a bit of confidence going into the Oxford game because I think, I don't know, I mean, obviously, you know, there was a lot of stuff going around after the Plymouth game and the season certainly isn't over, oh. what some people are saying. <clears throat> but I think we all left very deflated, didn't we? Deflation, I think, is the word to use. I'm sure you guys used it on the flagship on Sunday, didn't you? Deflation is the word to use after that result. So, you know, if we'd have gone into, if we'd have beaten them, hold on for the win, go into this game, full of confidence, full of beans. I'd be a lot more optimistic about tomorrow. About full Saturday. Of beans. Full of beans. Sorry, my phone's say. going crazy, but no, it's not. No, it's still oh. not still not confirmed yet. In real time, we're still not getting um yeah, news or transfer business. Um so yeah, I've gone for a draw. I've gone for a score draw because I don't believe Oxford are good at keeping clean sheets. But I I was pretty confident before I did, I read the script and then added my bits and pieces of stats in there. And now I'm not so sure. But on paper, Seb, the home record at Oxford isn't particularly great, is it? Yep. And they will um, let us, yeah. It depends on whether we turn up and try to impose ourselves and whether people can make contributions and convert the chances that we will undoubtedly create. I know that we said that Oxford aren't, aren't particularly friendly at conceding chances, but the way we play will invite it, won't it? So we've got, yeah, you've gone for, talk us through your prediction rather than me just stumble around. I was really torn between heart versus head on this one. I think having done the research, like you say, their home form isn't amazing, but given how miserly they are in defence, I also thought it would be a draw. But then at the last minute, I changed mine and went for the Ipswich win because I think we have to win. I, I, I think we're going to need, you know, nine points from this Morecambe and Cambridge, don't you, to keep pace with, you know, going into that, that Sheffield Wednesday game. I mean, if we were to draw against Oxford and those guys both win their respective home games and the gap gets a little bit wider and all of a sudden the pressure ramps up again doesn't it so yeah I, I think we I think we need to go there put on a confident performance and and win so I've gone for a, a narrow squeaky bum low scoring kind of kind of victory that's what I think wouldn't it be nice to to be on the right end of a last minute winner that'd be good Marcus Harness 89th minute that'd be good wouldn't it and FBL yeah, Tractor's gone for the oh, he's, he's more confident we need to get on whatever FBL Tractor's on 2-0 prediction for him but yeah worth noting and I quite like to do this comparison I did it when we drew with Lincoln 
where Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth both drew one all. Oxford are yet to host Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth. So we've got no comparison there. But yeah. we do know that Oxford got a point away at Sheffield Wednesday. But as we said, different home and away team, aren't we? We'll be back next week to see what's what with that and hope that I'm wrong, hoping that Seb and FPL track to correct. And um, fingers crossed that other events conspire, which annoy and screw over Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday because it's a long old season guys isn't it it's a roller life is a roller coaster football's a roller coaster just got to ride it up and downs lots of cliches and bollocks like that Uh, let's move it on before I say something stupid let's keep going That's your lot. Thank you to the Greyhound. Thank you to our partners at Innovation Labs as well. Do join us on Telegram. Do um, join us for the flagship show Sunday night, 8 p.m. Live chat, live discussion, all the reaction from Oxford, hopefully with positive stuff to talk about. Um, I'm refreshing Twitter, Seb. Nothing going on there. Nothing. No, nothing. Signing to talk about in definitive terms, unlike us tiptoeing around it. Um, thank you, Seb, for all of your hard work. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for contributing in the chat. We've had some really good numbers and good interaction in recent weeks. So thank you, everyone, who's, who's got involved in that and keep it coming. And um, Seb, as always, I'll hand over to you for the final word. Big two games coming up in the space of four days or whatever it is. Have a great time, everybody, going. Just win. Please, Ipswich. Come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.